Welcome to 1530, episode 10, covering the 2019 Australian Open and the ATP World Tour men's tennis. My name is Ben. I'm Matt Smith. We're just two tennis fans from opposite sides of America, bringing some stats to tennis to the tennis world. What's our stat of the day today, Ben? Stat of the day. The stat of the day is zero for 12, and that is on break points, one for the match. Uh, we won't reveal which player this affected, but talk about how significant this is in the tennis world for this player and also uh, maybe going forward for the whole year, setting the tone. Huge match, a lot of opportunities, obviously all of them wasted. So very significant. But before we get there, we'll, we'll go ahead and recap. We're right now in rounds uh, 16 and also the quarterfinals is where we're at in the, the Australian Open. So I want to recap some memorable things from this past week. So first of all, I want to talk about an amazing match, if you were able to tune in, with Stan the Man Vavrinka versus Milos Raonic. Um, when I saw this come out in the draw that this was a possibility, I knew this would be a tough one as a Stan fan because Raonic just seems like he matches up pretty well against Vavrinka. He's won, he won a really tight one um, in five sets a few years ago in the Aussie Open. He beat him in the Australian Open or the US Open recently. This is another tight one, but it was dynamite tennis. Four tiebreak sets. Stan took the first, Raonic took the rest. It was pretty incredible. Let's, let's jump right into the numbers here because I think this is some good stuff here. So both guys serving incredible. Uh, Raonic with 39 aces, Stan with 28. Um, very few double faults. Win on the first serve, both in the 80%. Very, that's exactly where you want it. Win on the second serve in that 56% range for each guy. Not terrible, but to me, I thought that would have determined who would have won the match, but really the same percentage. Uh, break points were about the same. They did actually break each other each twice. Um, Stan converted a few more of those break points. The net points, Stan had very few, but he was almost 90%. Roundage came to net a ton. And I mean 96 times, he won 72%. But I think here, here is the key here. Uh, and the key is going to be the winner, winner mark here. So 84 winners for Raonic, 66 winners for Stan. I don't usually think that winners determine who wins the match. A lot of times it's that winner to unforced error ratio. But I think Raonic was just a little bit, um, he went bigger in the tie breaks, was able to take more risks on the serve and on coming forward. And it paid off for him, honestly. It came down a couple points here and there. But that's the match. And Raonic won, Raonic won 163 points. Stan won 161. But he won the correct points. Um, both guys had very few unforced errors. I think if you're a Stan fan, this is a great match. Shows that he's back. He was hitting the forehand. Huge winners. The backhand. The normal stuff that it usually does. Both guys in the return game, pretty bad. I think this is going to affect Raonic going forward. I don't know how far he's going to make it, though. He is beating Zverev currently right now. He only won 27% of receiving points. Stan only won 21%, pretty paltry. But I don't know, Matt, what do you, any, any thoughts on that matchup between those two big hitters? Yeah, I mean, I think you covered most of my thoughts. I, I do have one maybe slight disagreement. I don't know. The fact that that Raonic beat Warinka out on uh, winners makes me think maybe in the second serve um, points one makes me think maybe Warinka's still working on the, his, his comeback a little bit. Maybe he's still a little hampered and not necessarily feeling the, the movement yet. I don't know. That's just a thought, but that may have played into a little bit of his ability to 
be more aggressive and kind of take the lead in the tie breaks and things. Yeah, yeah, you definitely might have something there. Maybe not quite there in the return, but otherwise, not a lot of errors. And he just like yeah, he said, absolutely. Couldn't, I mean, couldn't quite bring it. So yeah, yeah, great definitely match. A clean match. Yeah, yeah, definitely a clean match. And so Rounders is moving forward. We'll see what he does. See if he can uh, maintain this lead over Zverev. Um, we'll go ahead and we'll, we'll let you talk about Rafael Nadal. He's having a spectacular tournament. What's what's been so he, impressive about Rafa so far? I mean, the guy is just it has been very dominant this whole match or this whole tournament. Um, played three Australians and then um, just completely dominated Burdick in this last round and bageled him in the first set. And Burdick was never in the match. Um, if you look at just some of the stats for the Nadal this whole tournament, so he's won about fifty percent of all of his second serve points throughout the these last four matches. His opponents have won about 40% of theirs. So, I mean, it's not the highest he's had on that, um, but it's it's still 10% better than what his opponents are doing, which is which is good. And the thing is, he's hit 50, he's played 53 fewer second serves than his opponents have. So I think that's telling. He's getting more first serves in, in general than his opponents, which is good. Break points, he's only faced two this whole tournament. Um and uh, so, yeah, his – well, I'm sorry. I take that back. He's lost two, um, mm-hmm. and so he's faced 13. So his opponents are shooting 15% and, and breaking Rafa. And then Rafa, on the other hand, is, has had 47 on his own and, and converted 21%, 21 of those. So he's shooting 44.7%, which is obviously much better. He's able to close out those games and uh, – which is obviously helpful. I mean, you need a, you need breaks in order to win. Mm-hmm. And then when you look at unforced errors, there was one match against Demonor that he had more unforced errors. He had 33 to Demonor's 24, but everywhere else he had like more than half fewer unforced errors than his opponents. So for the whole tournament, he's had 76 compared to his opponents, 126. So He's playing super clean tennis, super aggressive tennis, uh, keeping the pressure on on his opponent's serves and keeping it off of his own. And I don't know, that's a recipe for success. He's in Sissipas's direction, which is not great. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, as we'll talk about later, he had a fantastic match this last round. But he's, uh, he's playing solid tennis. According to Ultimate Tennis Stats, he is now the first favorite to win the tournament with 38.9%. So Yeah, I was gonna definitely going to bring that up. I think that's a good point. And, and especially, I like that you talked about Alex Damonor. He was kind of anointed. Obviously, you have Kyrgios who's good, but he was talked about the next big thing in Australian tennis. He has incredible movement, very, very fast. But Nadal just made him look like, like an average an average player, a, a qualifier at best. And so I think that really kind of humbled him, but chose – like you're saying, Rafa's playing some incredible tennis. Coming off injuries, he didn't play in any warm-up tournaments, so it made me skeptical about him. But I, I think he is playing some of the best ball um, at, an, at, at an Australian Open that I've seen. So That's what makes me most nervous. Every morning I wake up, I keep expecting to see an announcement that Rafa pulled out of the tournament with an injury. Yep. <laughs> yep. But. Exactly. Um, so I want to talk about transitioning now over to Marin Cilic. So Marin Cilic was the, the finalist last year, lost of to Federer in five tight sets. Um, pretty good match. But he was ousted by Arbatista Agut, uh, nicknamed RBA. And 
first just want to give a plug into RBA. Obviously, a huge match beat Chilich in five sets, but RBA is playing some amazing tennis. He beat Murray in five sets in that emotional match. Obviously, going to be Murray's last match uh, in Melbourne. He beat um, Hatchinoff, the young gun who won the the Paris Masters 1000. And RBA, I mean, he's just, he really is, like we talked about, he's playing out of his mind. He has the speed, he has the forehand. And something really interesting, looking at the numbers, his fastest serve, um, 119 miles an hour, but his average first serve is 107 miles an hour. A lot lower than a lot of the guys on the tour. Chilich, on the other hand, was 117 miles an hour. Um, but he was still able to get 10 aces, and Chilich only had 17. So he's able to do a lot with that serve, it's looking like, and his He's winning 70% on his first serve. If he gets his first serve in, he's winning 70% of those points compared to Chilich with 75%. Again, that 80, 75% is really good, but 70% with Bartista's serve. He's obviously placing it well, has some good spin. And to me, obviously RBA was fast, able to cover most of the court. But to me, I think a big thing that I noticed from Chilich was that really, really reliable backhand that he has was failing him a little bit. I don't know if he was just getting tight. Usually the forehand is what goes out on him first if he gets tight. He had 73 unforced errors, only 65 winners. But I think part of that is just RBA was forcing him to rush, forcing him to take shots closer and closer to the lines. And so RBA, he's going to be uh, going to be up against CC Potts next. So it'll be interesting to see what happens if he can continue his run. But he's playing some great tennis this year. I can only hope that they just have a crazy five setter, run each other around, <laughs> get him <them> ragged. <laughs> yep. No, that will be a good match to watch, though. They're both playing very well. I totally agreed. And an RBA, I forgot to mention, he won most improved player on the tour a couple years ago. So he's seems like he's continuing to develop his weapons, not just being a marathon man, but really his forehand, especially. I think he's able to work work with that. Let's talk about the second favorite right now in the tournament, Novak Djokovic. He's uh, about 36%. So him and Nadal, almost, almost even favorites. He beat uh, one of the young guns, Shapopolov, in four sets. Uh, Shapopolov was able to take that third set after being two sets slowed down. But Djokovic had a huge answer in the fourth set. He beat him 6-0, slamming the door on the young gun. So just going into the numbers here, and, and kind of me from watching the match as well, what I noticed, Shapopolov has the weapons, clearly does. He has a huge serve, huge forehand, that lefty. Dynamic one-handed backhand, but I think he just he just goes for it a little bit too much. He's missing a lot, I guess, to be blunt. He had 57 unforced errors, 21 winners. That's just not going to get it done against Djokovic. Too many free points. Though his win on first serve was good. His win on second serve was paltry, though, 32%. Djokovic on the other end was 63%. You're not going to be able to beat the top guys unless you're at least at that 50% mark. Um, so I think it was kind of an eye-opener for Shapovalov. He did, he did get a set off Djokovic, so that's... That's good news for him moving forward. Um, his serves, man, his serves are so fast. 120 average, 133 was his fastest. But I think he's just got to rein in those weapons if he's going to even have a chance against the Djokovic's and the Nadal's of the world. Yep. So that's what I noticed there. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I imagine you got to go out, as, especially as a young gun coming up and playing one of these big four, big three, that you've got to play out of your mind, right? And aggressive, got to take big shots and – you know, sometimes sometimes they fall, sometimes they don't. And you know, they weren't falling for Shapovalov of this. Right. that he was open, I guess. But. Right. He's beaten some big guys before, but if he needs to be consistent, 
uh, then then maybe we'll see some results if he finds that consistency. Um, Zverev as well, having a pretty quiet, good tournament. Uh, most of the matches have gone by pretty easily for him right now. Like he said, he's in a tough one against Raonic. See if he can come out of that. He's the third favorite to win the tournament, all the way at 7%. So really big drop-off. Nishikori is the fourth favorite at 5%. So really, it does seem like a Nadal, Djokovic, rest of the field, basically. So now, if you're wondering, well, where's Roger Federer? Why is he not one of the favorites? <laughs> as he should be, or he was. That's because he met the demise last night against Stefano Tsitsipas, the Greek. And I knew... I stayed up pretty late watching the match. I knew this was going to be a dynamite match. The last time they played was actually in um, the Hopman Cup. It was an exhibition match, but Federer had to use two tie breaks to get it done against Tsitsipas. Never broke him. The match last night did not disappoint. There was some very high-quality tennis. Tsitsipas moving forward, the huge serve, and we were treated to four excellent sets, uh, three tie breaks, one with a 7-5. Tsitsipas came out on top in four sets. Um, Federer took the first set and he had so many chances in that second set. Mainly that's mm. where 0 for 12 came from was Federer had so many chances and he felt like he could just blow the match open. And, and I don't know, I think part of it was Tsitsipas had that huge serve. Let's look down here at the numbers. He, his serve got him out of trouble. His serve first serve average was, um, sorry, one second. I was on the wrong. I was, I was on Federer's side of the numbers. His first serve average was 121 miles an hour, well placed as well. And his second serve mirrored Federer's was 98 miles an hour, pretty similar. But as fast as he got up to 132 miles an hour, and he would not only that, he would use the serve, place it like Federer does. He would coax the short ball out of Federer, and he'd come to the net right away and put it away. There was one of the break points where I saw Federer kind of slice it back, and Tsitsipas took advantage right away. So uh, I know Federer, you know this. This is also a you know kind of a bad omen for those who are Fed fans. If you remember 2013 and other years that he struggled, it's really the, that's been the, the telling statistic. He couldn't get the break points done. He couldn't get it done on break points and therefore was losing matches. This is another one of those, but I, I feel like we got to give credit to Pass. He really took some of those away. He really did save some of those break points. But I still think Federer, if he would have got another one in the second set, we might have had a different story. Um, but Pretty incredible. I'll, I'll go through the numbers here. They were so close, though. They were really so close. Uh, Pass out eight Federer, which is a little bit surprising to me, 20 to 12. So, again, he has the pace. He can also place it. Um, both guys pretty much identical, honestly, on their win win percent of first serve. Fed 79%, Pass 78%. That's right where you want to be as a dominant um, first, first strike tennis uh, player. Win on the second percent. Second serve, 64% for Tsitsipas, 61% for Federer. Again, very, very good. But break points, obviously the big stat. One of three for Tsitsipas, zero for 13 for Fed. Net points, both in the 70s. Receiving points, identical too, 27%. They really were kind of a mirror of each other. And winners, almost the same, 62 for Tsitsipas, 61 for Federer. Uh, Federer did have a lot more unforced errors. I think that was a big thing, 55. You could tell that Tsitsipas... I think was kind of forcing him in. I mean, they were still on forced errors technically, but I think Fed was overplaying the ball because he just saw the variety of Tsitsipas. Tsitsipas would go with drop shots. He would come into the net. He had some great lobs. And, and I think I think that repertoire really really flustered Feder a little bit. It was hard for him to really get a stranglehold on the match. And because of that, he, he lost it. So what, what were your thoughts on that match, Matt? Yeah, it's tough to watch. Uh, I agree with you. I, Fed had 
an uncharacteristic amount of fun for stairs. Um, and I, <laughs> I don't know, I, from, I watched a good amount of it and I feel like a lot of those missed break opportunities were just unforced errors. It's almost like fed was getting giddy or something. It, it wasn't really able to maintain a cool and had plenty of easy opportunities to win some of those break points and just would send a forehand wide or send it long or miss it in different ways that you don't usually see with fed. So I, that was curious. That was interesting. Um, I don't know if you saw Cece Paz's interview after this match. He said, obviously, that Fed was his idol. He's been watching him, <laughs> watching his film since he was like six or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. And so <laughs> you have to wonder if that plays into it. I mean, these people have been on the tour so long. These kids are growing up watching them now, and now they're playing them. So they're like, well, you know, I've watched you since I was six. I know your style. I know how you play. So it's kind of match it and play to it. I, I don't know. That probably doesn't have that much of a thing. It's a different to watch and to execute. But, I mean, you certainly knew how Fed played going into it, which yeah. probably helps a little bit with Sisipas, you know. No, that's a really good point. And that's, and that's something they talked about with the commentators, right? That Fed, you know, he's basically playing himself, kind of. Sisipas was out fettering Federer. He was... He wasn't letting Fed dictate. He instead was like, no, I'm going to take care of my serve, and I'm going to come in on that first ball that's short. If you'd put it away. So Federer couldn't find a rhythm on the Pass service game. And so then it led to, ultimately, the tiebreaks that decided it. And we all know tennis, it can be a point here, a point there. Um, it just shows, too, like you're saying, even though Federer was kind of off a little bit, it still took four really, really tight sets for him to go down. Right. So I, I think that's some good news for Federer. Um, looking here at the numbers on the winners, it's really interesting to look at it. Um, so Federer had more ground stroke winners, um, just pure ground stroke winners, and a few more volleys. But it's interesting that Tsitsipas had more approach shot winners, more passing shot winners, um, and more overheads. Usually those are numbers you'd associate with Federer. Federer hitting the approach shot, trying to come into net, it's a winner. Or hitting that overhead. Like I said, Tsitsipas had more of those winners than him, which I think is really, really telling of, of the game style that unsettled Federer. You, you see someone that's maybe just trying to get the ball back a little bit. Taylor Fritz, I think, was kind of played like this when he lost in straight sets. Just trying to find a rhythm, trying to hit the ball back. But then Federer was just able to dictate. So he wasn't able to find a rhythm. Pass kept Fed off balance all night, in my opinion. Fed had never yeah. really found a way to gain control of the match. Yeah, I agree. So that's the, there we have it. I mean, John McEnroe, other people are saying this is the changing of the guard. This is the player. He has the weapons. Him and Zverev have the weapons to contend in the game for years to come. We, we've been talking up Pass since he had that incredible run in Montreal, or Toronto, excuse me, where he beat four top 10 players in a week, including Djokovic, Team, Zverev, and Anderson. Lost to Nadal in the final. So he, he can clearly, he can beat the best guys. Can he be consistent? Can he be RBA in the next round? Can he get up for that match? Remains to be seen. I'm actually going to go out on a limb, even though technically Zverev, I think, might be losing... I, I know Djokovic and Nadal might be the favorites to win it, but I at least think we're going to get one of these young guys in the final. I think one. I think one of Nadal <laughs> or Djokovic is not going to make it. I just. I just feel like this is the year. Um, I'll, I'll look at a graphic here to kind of back up what I'm saying. So looking, it has the age trends for Australian Open round of 16 from 89 until 2019 is what they have. This is off stats on the tee, and so. 
interesting, 2016, 2017, there were zero men under the age 23 in round of 16 or beyond. Pretty amazing. Um, 2018, there were a few more. It's a, no, there's not a percent, but it's more of a relative bar graph. 2019, this year, there are more players um, age 23 or younger in the round of 16 since 2009. So 10 years, 10 year span. And I know we said maybe tennis has skipped a generation with Nishikori and these other guys not being able to win, the guys that are born in the 90s. But I think we're seeing that spike again. And this this could be the year, like we're saying, that we see a young gun actually go out and win a, win a Grand Slam, not just a Masters event, but win a Grand Slam. So we will see what happens. We'll see. Tsitsipas has to keep it up. He had that one tournament where he beat how many top 10 in a row? Four, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, he'll have to play at that level throughout the whole next week. I mean, True. it starts with Fed here, and, I mean, he's going to have Rafa. He's going to have Joke, most likely. He's going to have um, just a lot of competition. Definitely. And I think he's this, the young gun's best hope, probably. I mean, Zverev, I think he's slightly injured, and I don't know. He's there, but I feel like he's having a quiet match. And maybe that's what he needs. Maybe he just needs a quiet tournament without any pressure, without any attention to finally break through all the way into a, a Grand Slam. Yeah. So maybe he'll, he'll take that and run with it. But. Or maybe not, because he lost the first set, 6-1. In the second <laughs> set. But we'll see. Zverev could come back. He, he, he has done those two sets to love comeback. Yeah, and then just, I guess, the last couple of things. Just um, So Tiafo. He beat a resurgent Dimitrov. Dimitrov looking pretty decent this year. He and yeah. Andre Agassi is in his camp. Tiafo is able to beat him. Huge match. Now Tiafo takes on the doll next. We'll see if this young gun, who's never made the quarterfinals before, can go further, take it a step further, beat Nadal, make the semis. Because then wouldn't that be crazy if it was him and Tsitsipas in the semis? Not saying I'm crazy. not saying I'm predicting that, but I'm just saying <laughs> we are we are at this tipping point, men's tennis. That if that if the top guys are not as sharp, these young guys, I think are starting to knock at the door. They're starting to play their style of tennis, and we'll see what happens. It's going to be very, very interesting. Um, at least we've got another American, one American in the second week, man. Isner <laughs> fell in the first round, and I was like, well, there goes everything. But right. Tiafo coming through, playing yeah. my, out of his mind. So, Yeah, Tiafo. So we will see what happens, but this is our preview of the Australian Open. We'll see you in the second week. Stuff's going to get even crazier. Quarters and beyond. See you on the courts.